for the first time since August, inflation rates slowed down. In April, prices were still on the rise, but at the slowest pace we've seen since last summer. So are we seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? And we want to hear from you on this. Are you feeling any relief in your pocketbooks? Or are these gas prices keeping you pretty pessimistic? Give us a call now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Checking in with us now is Scott Horsley, NPR's chief economics correspondent. Welcome back, Scott. Hey, great to be with you. So inflation rates uh, rose to 8.3% in April. Remind us how that number compares to earlier this year, Scott. Well, it's down, but just a little bit. The March rate uh, was 8.5%. That was the highest since 1981. So we got a little bit of relief in April, but not very much. And what's worrisome is that much of that drop in the annual inflation rate last month came from a temporary decline in gasoline prices. And as anyone who's filled up recently knows, gas prices have bounced back up again. They're hitting record highs. We're right. at about 442 on average across the country today. Yeah. I mean, it, what about the person saying, well, I still, I still feel this. I, I wouldn't have noticed that there was a, a dip in the inflation rate. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was not much of a dip in any case, um, uh, and and a lot of that decline has now has now been erased. We we do think we're going to see a gradual decline in annual inflation rates, but it's still painfully high. I mean, whether it's eight three or eight five is not a material difference to most people. It's still a lot higher than we'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. Typically, the Federal Reserve likes to see inflation around two percent, so we're around four times that. So, did April live up to expert predictions? Did they think yeah, we'd April be here? Came in, April came in about the way forecasters had expected. I mean, in the in the days and weeks leading up to it, it's it's not where people expected to be at the beginning of the year. Uh, obviously, the the war in Ukraine has fueled inflationary fires, has put more wood on the fire. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the this, this, the modest decline was more or less in line with what forecasters had expected. Yeah. Well, some economists are saying, Scott, that we are past the peak of inflation. What is your take, though? Yeah, I think I think it looks like we're probably past the peak, but it's a it's a long way down to something more akin to uh, normal inflation that we were used to before the pandemic began. Uh, this is going to be a a long and bumpy trail down from this from this steep peak that we find ourselves on. A reminder: we want to hear from you too. Tell us if you have questions about the inflation rates. Are you feeling the price hikes or? Maybe you're feeling some relief. Give us a call at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, 866-915-WBEZ. I want to get your clarification on something, Scott. Reporters are saying economists are nervous about, quote, core inflation rates. What is that exactly? So the core inflation rate is uh, taking out volatile food and energy prices. A lot of folks wonder, well, why do you take out food and energy prices? I can't not <laughs> not pay for food and not pay for energy. Mm-hmm. But food and energy traditionally bounce around a lot. You know, if there's a bad harvest, food prices go up. We we know that uh, gasoline prices can can spike oftentimes when there's a trouble on the uh, on the Gulf Coast, for example, if a hurricane comes through. So th- those are prices that bounce up and down a lot and don't necessarily signal anything larger happening with the economy. So if you take out food and energy, 
That's the core inflation rate. And that was 6.2% uh, in April, down from 6.5% in March. So again, still pretty high, uh, about three, three, three and a half times what, what the Fed would like it to be. Mm-hmm. And also worrisome is that the month-over-month Core, core inflation rate was actually higher in April than in March. And that's because if you take out gasoline prices, which were actually working against inflation mm-hmm. last month, uh, then you, you see that core price rise. Why the concern? So the, with- the core, the core, so the, so the core, the core inflation rate is sort of a measure of what's happening with the, the broader economy. If you take out the, the, the typically volatile categories and you say, well, what's the, what's the overall direction that inflation's moving in? Mm-hmm. And so when you see that elevated core inflation rate, that that's, tends to be stubborn. That, that's things like rent. Uh, th- that's things like services that, that are not typically volatile. And, and so when that's as high as it is, that, that means it's going to be a challenge to, to bring this inflationary uh, uh, pressure down. And as we talk about these price increases, Scott, what got more expensive? So rent. Yeah, it was a was, yeah. So it was a, it was a mixed bag. Um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, and and for a long time early in the pandemic, we were seeing price spikes in things that could easily be traced to pandemic supply chain problems. For example, we've seen the the rise in new car prices because mm-hmm. there's the shortage of computer chips that we've all heard about. And as a result, there was a spike in used car prices. There was a spike early on in lumber prices because a lot of sawmills shut down early in the pandemic. And surprisingly, all the people who were stuck at home decided to do backyard improvement projects. So there was a lot of demand for lumber. So early on, we saw a lot of inflation in particular categories of goods that you could say, OK, well, that I can I can connect the dots and see how the pandemic's affecting that. And when the pandemic eases, presumably those prices will settle back down and we'll not have a problem. And that was the the story that the Federal Federal Reserve and a lot of economists were telling for much of 2021. Now, though, uh, the inflation has spread to to a broader string of categories, and it it is affecting things like rent, which is a big component Mm -hmm. of the consumer price index and which tend to be more stubborn. And 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 it's not directly tied to to the pandemic. You could you could say it's sort of indirectly tied because, uh, you know, home prices have gone up and, right. and a lot of people wanted more space when they were stuck at home all day. So they were willing to pay more for houses. So that indirectly affects the, the, the rental cost. But but you're seeing now inflation in in a broader array of categories. And, for example, in April, the price of used cars actually came down, which is something we've been expecting for a long time. But the price of airline tickets went through the roof because people are traveling more now and they're maybe taking that vacation that they put off for the last two years. And so air, airfares, I think, uh, saw the biggest increase on record in April. Wow. Uh, you also saw uh, new car prices continue to climb because you're still having those, those computer chip challenges. Um, uh, food prices continue to go up. Uh, as I say, gasoline prices were down. But it's, it's a broader array of things that are seeing price increases now. And it's a lot of services uh, that are not directly tied to the pandemic. Let's hear from a couple callers who want to join the conversation, Scott. Here is Brian in Frankfurt. Hi, Brian. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Hi. Thank you. I was just had a question um, about stageflation. You know, I mean, we still have their supply chain issues. I mean, China is still on lockdown, especially in Shanghai. If you look at their port maps, you could see a cluster of of ships that are just sitting there. Um, you know, if there's going to be continued supply chain issues and even if demand goes up, 
I mean, we're, we're not going to be able to get these things, but, you know, I, I think that could be working against each other. What do you yeah, think? the um, the the COVID lockdowns in China uh, do have the potential to be a, an inflationary problem going forward. Uh, I don't think we're seeing a whole lot of that in these current numbers, but it's it's uh, something that could affect uh, prices uh, in the months to come. Uh, and so, like the war in Ukraine, this is sort of a uh, an extension of the inflationary pressures. You know, the the Forecasters for much of 2021 thought there'd be some relief from some of these inflationary forces as we got further into 2022. Uh, the war in Ukraine obviously upset those forecasts, and now the the ongoing COVID lockdowns in in China have the potential to drag it out longer. Yeah, thanks for your call, Brian. Let's hear now from Ken in Lombard. Hey, Ken, welcome to Reset. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to uh, get a little perspective on. Um, because there's so much talk about uh, inflation, and we're really talking about small percentage of uh, – we've been underpaying for a lot of things. We've been underpaying for, for gas because the cost of, of uh, drilling and, and burning gas, you know, is our environmental catastrophe happening. So that, that cost, really, it should be $20 a gallon for gas based on that. And then also, when you go to buy things, they're so cheap compared to how they used to be. You buy a refrigerator or a stove because it's all made in China. And we need to make things here and pay more. Um, now, the, the biggest problem is the in, income and wealth distribution because, um, you know, you say things like I just said, if somebody's on a really limited budget, mm-hmm. you know, that it's it's obnoxious to say that. But you know, most people who are making enough money to um, could could absorb the, the the more expensive goods and the more expensive uh, gas just by cutting back, and that's what we need to do. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, the opportunities. Uh, you know, COVID showed us what happened to the environment when we didn't drive as much. Ukraine shows us, you know, what. The cost of of being dependent on oil is we could use those opportunities to do what we have to do. Thanks for your call, Ken. Uh, Scott, do, does Ken have a point there? Is is the bigger issue that well, he, this country is just too dependent? Yeah, yeah. Ken Ken makes a couple of interesting points there. Certainly, it's true that the retail price you pay for gasoline doesn't incorporate the total social cost of the carbon pollution and the and the effect on the broader environment. Uh, when he talks about uh, manufacturing in China, it's certainly true that the offshoring of a lot of manufacturing to, to China has been a factor that's kept inflation low for uh, you know mo- most of the last few decades before we got to the pandemic. Uh, and so in some ways, that's been, been kind of a wake-up call. It, it does suggest that when President Biden, for example, talks about uh, shoring up our supply chains by trying to bring more manufacturing back to the United States, that's not necessarily a way to bring down prices. It may very well result in, in higher prices. Uh, but but the, the challenges uh, to globalization that have come up during the pandemic uh, do, do kind of highlight the way that all that offshore migration of jobs and, and manufacturing has helped been a force keeping prices down for much of the period running up to the, uh, to the, to the uh, pandemic. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, 
Last month's inflation rates actually slowed down for the first time since August. We are getting the latest from NPR's chief economist, uh, Scott Horsley. Uh, we want to hear from you, too. I, I, I'm not an economist. I economic play one on Economic correspondent. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I talk to a lot of smart economists. Economic correspondent. To what they have to say. My apologies. Um, and we want to hear from you, too, listeners. Are, are you feeling any relief at all in your bills or are your pockets still hurting? Are you still feeling the pain from this? Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, 866-915-WBEZ. Um, our caller there brought up COVID, Scott, and, and we've seen some serious COVID lockdowns being re-implemented in China. So do you have any predictions for what that might do for inflation rates over the next few months? Or are we already yeah, seeing that? Well, it, it certainly has the potential to to drag out the pandemic's effect on, on the, the price structure and on inflation. I mean, I think we, we should keep in mind that the seeds of this inflationary uh, situation we find ourselves in were planted by the pandemic, both by the effect on production in China early on, uh, by the effect on uh, businesses here in this country and around the world. I mean, the 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 pandemic has been an enormous shock to both supply and demand around the world. Demand bounced back really quickly, especially in this country, thanks in part to uh, very aggressive uh, uh, relief payments by the federal government and uh, loose monetary policy by the Federal Reserve. So we've had this real surge in demand, mm -hmm. and supply has not been able to keep up so far. And uh, we we keep thinking that supply will normalize, that demand will settle down, and we'll get back to something more like a, a steady a, a steady economy where inflation uh, is more manageable, around 2%, uh, and that those forecasts keep getting stretched out longer and longer, and the, the COVID lockdowns in, in China will, will add to that. Let's talk about some positives, Scott. Where did we see some price decreases in April? Well, as I said, the used car prices did come down, not maybe as much as had been expected in April. They they should probably continue to decline based on what we're seeing at wholesale car used car auctions. I mean, it, it's it's a it was a very unusual situation that we had in 2021 where used car prices were going through the roof. And some of your listeners may know. I mean, people who have relatively late model vehicles may be hearing from their dealers, you know, urging them to bring in that car for a trade-in. We'll give you more for your trade-in than you might have paid for it. So it's it's been a really unusual uh, market for used cars the last mm -hmm. couple of years, and that's that's kind of reverting to normal. Um, as I said, the, the big one, of course, was the, the, the drop in, in gasoline prices, which unfortunately proved to be short-lived. There, there is kind of a disconnect right now between gasoline prices and the, and the price of crude oil. So presumably the uh, yeah. refiners' margins have gone up a good bit. It's not unusual to see some increase this time of year as, as refiners switch over to their, their summer blends and so forth. But uh, I, I think if you look at where the price of oil is right now, it's, it's obviously it's been elevated since the Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but it, 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 it has come down from the early days right after the invasion, and, and the, the price of gasoline at the pump seems to be a little bit out of kilter with where the, the price of oil yeah, is. Yeah, I, right I was going to ask you about that, Scott. You know, all these reports about gas prices having gone down from their peak in March, but I was, you know, shocked two days ago getting gas from my station nearby and uh, I think it was five sixty nine. Remind us of that relationship yeah. between gas and inflation right now. Just dig into well, that a been, bit more. It's, 
it's been kind of a roller coaster. Uh, I mean, gas, gasoline prices had had climbed before Russia invaded Ukraine, but that invasion certainly supercharged the price at the pump. And we saw gas prices soar uh, in early March up to a national average of four thirty three a gallon, which was an all time high in nominal terms, not not adjusted for inflation. Uh, but then gas prices uh, settled down a bit, as and crude oil prices did too. Uh, here in D.C., uh, there was a period in in April when you could buy gasoline for uh, well under four dollars a gallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's now it's taken off again, and it's um, it's a little bit puzzling to me, at least. I'm I'm sure the refiners have some explanation of why the uh, the crack spread has gone up so much uh, during these these last few weeks. But the the price of oil has not soared again and yet the price of gasoline has has taken off from its from its April lows which were still you know high by right, by the standards of the last few years but but were a lot you know it, it went from say uh you know 433 in early March down to a, an average around the $4 mark in in April and as i say there were pumps in in Washington DC where you could buy gas for 385 uh, and now it's back up, you know, well north of the four dollar mark again. Yeah, though, like all of a sudden, crude oil prices haven't moved all that much during that period. All of a sudden, for me, the the five nineteen that I was complaining about a month ago looks good again because of what I just saw this week. <laughs> uh, let's take a yeah. couple more calls, Scott. Here's Reed from Edgewater. Hi, Reed. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Thank you. Um, do you see any evidence to suggest that companies are raising their prices either to offset uh, the increase in wages that they need to pay, or just to make more profits? Scott? Uh, yes, yes to both of those things. Um, uh, and, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk. Corporate profits have, have done very well during this period uh, on the whole. It's not, it's not true of every corporation, but corporate corporate profits have, have, have done okay. That's not to say corporate profits are what's driving inflation. Uh, as, as someone said, you know, to, to blame... Uh, Inflation on corporate greed is like blaming an airplane crash on gravity. Uh, corporate greed is kind of something that's always there, and uh, some unique set of circumstances has allowed uh, has allowed corporations to exercise more pricing power than they than they ordinarily would. But yes, corporations are, have uh, company businesses in general have been passing along these higher costs uh, to consumers, and so whether it's higher cost for for employees or higher cost for for uh, supplies or just a little extra margin for the for the business owners uh, that is all uh, contributing to inflation uh, Josh Bibbins, Josh Bivens who's an economist at the Economic Policy Institute was on on morning edition yesterday who had he had some breakdown he he thought that the margins was a larger contributor to the uh, to the inflation than the uh, than the than the increased labor cost, but mm. both those things have been have been happening, uh, and it's all all playing into this. Uh, but w- but what you have to wonder is why is it that businesses which for years didn't feel like they could pass on those higher costs without losing business are in a circumstance now where they feel like they can? And part of that again is just this imbalance between very strong consumer demand and. Uh, Limited supply. McDonald's, for example, uh, based there in in your hometown, yeah, uh, was reporting their quarterly profits uh, just a, a week or two ago, and I think they said that the average menu price for you know Big Macs and French fries had gone up about eight percent during the year. They had seen some customers uh, uh, 
downsizing their orders as a result, you know, maybe getting the regular fries instead of the supersized fries, but but not very much, not very much resistance. And the fact is, if you can raise your prices 8% and customers, generally speaking, continue to buy, uh, then that price hike's going to stick. And of course, you know, customers at McDonald's are some of your more price sensitive customers compared to, you know, customers at Morton Steakhouse or something like that. Yeah. But throughout the economy, you're seeing businesses that are finding they can raise prices and they're not turning away customers. You, you know, people might grumble at the gas pump. They might grumble at the grocery store. But for the most part, uh, sales are holding up pretty well. Yeah. Well, let's squeeze in one more caller. Here's Jackie calling all the way from where, New Hampshire. Hey, Jackie. Welcome hi, to Reset. Hi. Thank you. I love your show. Thank you so um, much. I com- yeah, great. I have a comment and a question. My first is a comment. And just as a regular working Josephine and um, voter, I'm actually okay paying a little bit more for things if we insource and use this as a lesson to insource. I'm okay if I'm paying more for clothing, if I'm paying more for goods. If we stop making it in China and bring it back to the U.S., because I really believe in the long run it's going to help all of us by raising the living standards of all of us. So that's my comment. My question to both of you is through your reporting, are you seeing this same kind of view or am I like the anomaly out there? Mm -hmm. And thank you. Thank you so much, Jackie. Scott, go ahead. Well, I've I've certainly heard uh, that viewpoint expressed by lots of people, and and uh, it it may be a little bit about what's driving the, the 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 president's rhetoric as well. Although President Biden has argued that insourcing would lower prices, which doesn't uh, necessarily jibe with what we've experienced over the last few decades. Um, I haven't seen any any survey data to suggest you know how how widespread that attitude is, but it's yeah. certainly something you hear. Uh, I've I, heard I it too, is, anecdotally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, w- one thing I think that w- we do we is certainly true is that uh, we are paying uh, higher prices now, partly because the government worked very aggressively to prop up the economy, both the monetary policy and fiscal policy, to try to bring down unemployment. Yeah. And that worked. I mean, unemployment is 3.6 percent. That's down from nearly 15 percent early in the pandemic. Right. Is that a trade-off that we feel okay with? Um, if you'd asked people in early 2000, you know, would you be willing to pay 8% more for stuff if we could get employment down to three and a half percent? Right. You know, how would they have responded? But, th- but that, that is the trade-off that we've, that we've got. And you're hearing a lot of grumbling. Yeah. People don't seem too happy about it. Well, got to leave it there. Scott Horsley is NPR's chief economic correspondent. As always, thank you for joining us, Scott. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.